Welcome to the Tao of Wow, a podcast about the intersection of technology, society, and internet culture with a dash of philosophy and art for good measure. I'm Doug Belshaw. And I am Laura Hilliger. This podcast season is currently unfunded. You can support this podcast and other We Are Open projects and products at opencollective.com slash we are open. Hey, Doug, what are we talking about so, now? Well, so Laura, we've just snuck in another episode of our podcast into this season, 5B as it were, because when we talked about remote work last time, we got all philosophical and we talked about a bunch of stuff and we didn't get a chance to talk about kind of tools and day-to-day kind of practical stuff and like approaches that we take. And I thought, well, we thought we'd geek out on this um, in this episode. So I think we've both got a lot to say, even though we haven't planned it in loads of detail. So where should we start? What if we do this in like, you know, a time continuum kind of way? What do you right. do? How do you start your week? Oh, interesting. So I try and start my week as slowly as possible. Mm-hmm. So what I've learned is that it's not that I hate Mondays. I hate capitalism. Um, <laughs> and that has what to do so, with Mondays? That, well, so it's in on a Monday... We have our co-op meeting at 10 o'clock my time. It's 11 o'clock your time. I don't really want to do any work before that because I want my first kind of experience of the week to be collaborative and collegiate and um, all that kind of stuff. So I will look at my emails after 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. on a Monday, but I'm not like planning my week and stuff. Really, I use the co-op meeting as as my kind of planning for the week. Really? That's what I do. How about you? Huh, I find that really interesting because you always come into that meeting as if you have a plan. <laughs> so in our for listeners who don't know what our co-op meeting is like, um we have a section that is essentially like a stand up for the week. What are you intending on working on? And we just list out the days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and we we say, you know, two or three of our big things that we're working on. So generally we'll say, okay, well, this afternoon I'm going to be spending all of my time on climate, uh, client A because, you know, I have a meeting at 5 p.m. and I want to make sure I'm prepared or whatever. And everybody else then knows, okay, Laura is spending Monday afternoon on client A. Where is my client A work? You know, kind of thing. And so we, we, tell each other what we're doing and when. And Doug always has a plan. He's like, I'm doing this today, this today, this today. So how do you make that plan? Do you make it up on the spot? So I have this ability, and I think it comes from my days as a teacher and a senior leader, to sound like I know what I'm talking about when I've got literally no idea. Awesome. Right? So that's the first thing. The second thing is I live off my calendar, right? So I've got my co-op calendar, which is most of it, my dynamic skill set calendar, which is for stuff which isn't quite co-op things, there's not that much on there. And then the Belshaw's calendar, which is for, you know, which has got the majority of stuff on my calendar is things to do with home. So really, I should have either meetings and work and workshops and that kind of stuff in there, or I use Google Tasks, as well as us using Trello, I use Google Tasks for like, oh, I must get that thing done on that day. So like today, I had, I've got to pick up my prescription from the doctors, but I've also had, I need to 
a review that slide deck from that conference and that kind of stuff. So it's just like reminders and, and that kind of stuff. So if I look at my calendar for the week ahead, even though I haven't really thought about it, I should be able to see what I'm doing and what I need to be thinking about. Plus, yeah, you think about stuff in the shower and weird times. Yeah. So you kind of mentally prepare yourself or your, your body or your, your brain, as I tend to find anyway. Yeah. So before the co-op, so for me, the co-op meeting is at 11 a.m. on a Monday. And I generally start work between 9.30 and 10. I'm pretty much mm. not really there before 9.30, just not a morning person. So, you know, I'll read the news and stuff like that, or maybe like scroll Twitter if I'm online, but I don't actually turn my brain on until 9.30 uh, or 10, depending on the day. Um, but you just said that you basically, you can look at the calendar for the next week and have a basic idea of, or, or the week ahead and know basically what you're doing. I'm surprised that you think that I'm always knowing what I'm doing, given that when I put into that etherpad for some days, I'm literally putting the emoji, the shrug, like the emoji. shrug emoji. Yeah. I'm literally putting the shrug emoji for like a Wednesday or something. So I'm surprised that you think I know what I'm doing. Okay, but see, wait, 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 wait. I think okay. I misinterpreted the shrug emoji. Like, I think I was always interpreting the shrug emoji as nobody has told me what to do. So WTF, or kind of thing but actually it's just you no, don't... I just don't know what I'm doing oh, okay cool huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah um I tell you what I used to do a lot um pre-pandemic I don't know I feel like this is gonna sound terrible I feel like I care less about work since the pandemic I, I don't think that's that true I think you I I think you care more about the type of work that we're doing and I mean, because we're since the pandemic started, we've been doing predominantly nonprofit support. No, well, yeah, maybe I've maybe I've miscommunicated that. What I mean is, I recognize my own mortality a lot more, mm. and what's wrong with the world. And I think what I'm doing is I'm actually having an appropriate adjustment with my relationship with work. Yeah, like literally before, work was my identity. Yeah. 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 I've got my kids and stuff and the things I do. I said, but like work was what I did. And I remember like just working crazy hours, doing all this kind of stuff. And I think I have a much more sane relationship with work now. Yeah. One thing that I used to do and I still do do when I'm feeling stressed is I've got literally paper planners. I've got like, I've come up with this approach and I was using them reasonably. I used them a little bit during the pandemic as well like a weekly planner, what I'm going to do on different days and what I actually did do and when I'm doing things and whatever. But the daily one is the one if I'm feeling super stressed. I'm literally like, this is the client or the theme, breaking it down by subtasks. This is when I'm going to do it. This is the most important thing, like literally getting it out of my head onto the paper. And it's always three and subtasks. It's always three subtasks, three main tasks, three subtasks, all that kind of stuff. But I feel like I have a much more sustainable way of working now. Like literally I don't want to do more than 25 hours work a week. And that sounds really low until you realize that I'm working as fast as I can um, for that time. And I'm not like just messing about, you know, I'm not clocking my time when I'm getting a coffee. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's, um, I don't even think it's like, you know, you're working as fast as you can within a certain amount of time. I think that, you know, you are, it's about the energy level, really. It's not that right. you're working that because you're still, your brain is still processing 
a lot of stuff. When you go to get a coffee, when you go for a run, when you're in the shower, like the, the things that you wrap around your work life is still processing mm-hmm. time. And the reason that you can work as fast as you work, um, you know, within that 25 hours a week that, you know, where your brain energy is, is because you, you know, you have that extra 15, 20, 30 hours every week where you're actually doing the processing work. You're not processing yeah. while you're on the clock per se. Uh, interesting. Yeah. So that, that that's a good way of putting it. Let's get back to the tools and stuff yeah, and the automation. We were, we were already. I'm really back. interested. So I was a big Evernote user 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I believe you still use, I'm saying it's terrible. I'm saying you still use as if it's a pejorative kind of thing. You still see value and you use Evernote a lot in your day-to-day work. Yeah, so so what, what are you using that so for? So let me, let me talk a little bit about how I plan my week. So basically, mm. um, I try not to work on Fridays or at least not client work, and I definitely don't have meetings on Fridays. So usually on Fridays, I arrange my day so that I do some of the admin tasks that I like the easy kind of work, the not thinky work. So I'm online mm. for a couple of hours on Fridays, and then Friday afternoons, I do other things. Um, it's just a habit that I've gotten into over the past five years or so, like Fridays Mm. are a day for me to kind of, you know, do the, the little things that fall to the wayside. Part of what I do on a Friday is do a broad plan of my next week, which is I write down Monday, Uh Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in an Evernote, and I put tasks under each of the days. I look at whatever meetings I have scheduled for the next week, and I say, okay, I have a Greenpeace meeting on Wednesday. I'm going to work on Greenpeace on Wednesday so that I don't have to change context as much. And then on Monday mornings, I have a look at my week plan. I have a look at my inbox and I check is what I planned for my week on Friday. Is that still the same? How has it changed? What kind of Slack messages have come through? You know, whatever. Um, I do all of that planning in Evernote. Now here's a kicker. I really want to switch to the open source software Joplin. Um, It is awesome. It looks beautiful. It has a great community. It is basically exactly like Evernote except better with a better interface. And the reason that I haven't, I've had it on my to-do list to make the switch forever, because actually with Evernote, I don't really use all of the features. I don't use any of the features. I just make notes. That's all I do. I have no tags. I never search it. You know, it's just a note library. It's like a, it's like a, finder window with a folder and a bunch of Google Docs, you know? Well, Word Docs, sorry. Anyway, so um, the reason that I still use Evernote is because of the automation that I have attached to my working life. So I can say stuff to my phone and it will add stuff to the proper note in Evernote. Uh, I have my backlog where I can tell, you know, I can basically yell at my phone, hey, Google, I'm doing this and that, add it to my brain. And it adds it. <laughs> like, Of course, my assistant just went on just now. No, I'm not talking to you. Stop it. <laughs> Stop listening. Um, yeah. And, and so Evernote has this auto- automation, like with IFTTT, IFTTT, yes. If this, then that. If, if that, then this. If that, then this. Yes. Or if this, hmm. then that. Wait a second. It's if that, then this. Are you sure? Google it. If this, then that. Ooh. I'm wrong. 
Cool. Hang, hang on, what did I say? If that, then this. But it's You're if right. this, if then, this that. then that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. IFTTT. IFTTT.com. So I have a bunch of um, automation that makes my work life easier. It helps me save links um, for my newsletter. I, um, you know, can just copy and paste things uh, right into the taskbar of Evernote because I've set it up to always save my links to uh, my newsletter document. Yeah. And I just have all these processes around Evernote. And that's why I haven't made the switch. That was a really like long monologue about Evernote and my processes. I find that really interesting because I was a heavy Evernote user and I have a bunch of, so I, I use a, um, like if I was listening to a client or whatever, I would be using my lovely Muji pens with um, a like term, Luke term, mm -hmm. Luke Leucht. term, 1917, like term, term. Yep. Um, like dotted notebook which, you know, um, they're not cheap, but they're not expensive. And I like those. And previously I used Moleskin ones. And so I've got all of these notebooks. And what I used to do with Evernote was I'd scan them all in. And I used to scan them in, like when I worked in an office, and like it would go straight into Evernote, and then it would have the OCR, and then I'd be able to search those. And when I was doing my thesis, that was like an absolute lifesaver. But I haven't used Evernote for quite a long time, because what I used after that was something called notational velocity. Mm -hmm. um, and there's one called NV alt, which I'm going to put into the, the chat there. And you can't, you basically can't get it for anything other than a Mac. Mm -hmm. You might be able to get it for Windows. I don't know. There's a Linux version, but it's so fuggly. I can't, I can't bring myself to use it. So, so bad. I feel like, like it's so fuggly is a good tagline for Linux. My hey, let me tell you, I'm using Pop OS and it is beautiful. I was kidding. You'd love it. I was it. kidding. Anyway, <laughs> how dare you? Um, so uh, where was I going with that? So notational velocity for anyone who hasn't heard of it and used it, um, it can work locally on your machine, but it can also sync with Simple Note, which is now owned by the people who own WordPress. Yeah, mm -hmm. and basically, you know, like on Finder or I've got the equivalent on Linux. You know how you can press like what is it, option and, and space, and then search stuff. Mm -hmm. You can do that, but for all of your notes. And you can start typing, and it will just find that string of characters within the note or the title or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that works for my brain so well, because sometimes I can't remember the title of something or a tag or whatever. I can't be bothered to tag things, but I can remember like a form of words. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really miss using that. And the people behind Notational Velocity have been apparently making something called NV Ultra, but literally for the last seven years. So I don't think that's coming out anytime soon. But if you haven't heard of it, I'd definitely give it a go if you're listening to this, because it's pretty awesome. Joplin, as far as I understand, I have tried Joplin. Mm -hmm. um, you have to, if you wanted to do like cloud sync, you have to like bring your own cloud as it were. Right. So you can sync it with next cloud or, or whatever as well yeah and that's but what you talk about zapier or ifttt i don't think you can do that with the things i've just been talking exactly about. and that's the reason that i haven't switched away from evernote because every year so like in december when it calms down i have a look at my work processes because i'm always interested mm. in changing things up like it gets you know 
being really good at a particular process is, you know, it's kind of boring actually. And I like to, you know, mess up my workflows. Um, but this one, the, the week planning thing, I've been doing it for a decade and I just, I can't get away from it. Like I just, I need that one little bit of structure and the pro like the perfected process that I've built around it. Otherwise I just like, I have no idea what I'm doing all week. So I've got two quotations to read at you. I'm saying reading at you because it is, yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. Here we go. They're both favorite quotations of mine. First one is by Ralph Waldo Emerson, who said, a foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. Okay, yeah? but can I just point out that it says foolish consistency, not consistency. Exactly. No, exactly. Yeah. It's not saying that all consistency is bad. What it's trying to point out is that people who are like, oh, but you said the exact opposite of that in 2015. Like, those are small people. People change their minds. Yeah. You don't have to be consistent just because previous version of you said that that's the best way of doing stuff. Times change, situations change, whatever. Agreed. Clay Shirky, who I had the privilege, and it did feel like a privilege of meeting in December 2019 at a thing in New York. Um, there's a there's a interview that he did on a website called The Setup, which is at usesthis.com. So in 2014, he said this. He said, um, the, the last bit is like, what would your dream setup be? That's the question. He says, that having been said, I don't want a dream setup. I know people who get everything in their work environment just so, but current optimization is long-term anachronism. I'm in the business of weak signal detection. So at the end of every year, I junk a lot of perfectly good habits in favor of awkward new ones. Same. And then he goes on in a bit to say, some of those changes stick, most don't, but since every tool switch involves a period of disorientation and suboptimal use, I have to make myself be willing to bang around with things I don't understand until I do understand them. This is the opposite of a dream setup. The thing I can least afford to get the least thing I can least afford is to get things working so perfectly that I don't notice what's changing in the environment anymore. End of quote. I just thought that was so spot on. Yeah. And that's exactly how I go about it as well. Uh, at the end of the year, I awkwardly bang around. I try to mess up my own, uh, my own processes and, you know, force myself to, you know, play around with some awkward tech awkward change of the way that I do things. And, you know, I mean, I've discovered over the years, I've discovered loads of really interesting tools like this. I've just, you know, I've tried out things, which is super helpful in our business because like clients, they don't always have the same needs, you know, and like no. having a good, like a good view of the landscape, trying out different things, going through that awkwardness means that, you know, six months from now, when I have a client that is looking for something very specific and they have, you know, very specific uh, user group who, who needs to be able to, to use it, I'm going to have like a huge portfolio of, okay, well, hold on now. We've got, uh, we've got Joplin, we've got Evernote, we've got simple task, we've got, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah. Well, the, I saw something recently, I think it was on Hacker News, and this person was describing themselves as an early tester, but a late adopter. Mm -hmm. So they would see something new, they'd get in, have a play with it, see what it was useful for, but they're likely to change their stuff on a much slower thing. They're not just going to jump on whatever's the latest new thing. 
And what I, I what I realize, having worked in organizations large and small, is that we can be a lot more nimble than most people. So on the podcast yesterday with our, our friends um, from Code Operative, um, I was saying how much I hate Microsoft software and just their approach in general. Um, and one of the things I really hate is Microsoft Teams. I can't stand it. I really like there's something about it which really irritates me. Um, now, if you're in an organization that uses all Microsoft products, you don't really have a choice. Mm. If you're an organization that's decided to go all in on Slack, you don't really have a choice. If you're doing what we're doing, owning your own business, working with a few colleagues, working with different clients, whatever, you can change things all the time. And that suits me, and I think suits you, better than being forced to use the same thing all of the time. Yeah. I mean, we've had conflict there as well, though, just to be clear. You know, we've definitely oh, had yeah. conflict where um, we've had people who really need to use a particular tool and others who couldn't use that tool, didn't want to use that tool, couldn't, couldn't get it into their workflow. So I definitely feel some, I feel solidarity with people in organizations that are, you know, have particular tools forced at them. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's like, if you are, even if you're working in a small group of people, like what can you do to make your own workflow match with other people's workflow? Um, and, and, you know, like, I tell you, yeah. How do you, how do you, because, you know, if you find conflicts in the tools, you have to somehow find a way to collaborate, especially, in, I mean, because we're working remotely, you know, so if the tool isn't working for one person, but it's working great for another person, it's not just the tool that's failing, it's the remote work collaboration. No, it is, absolutely. And what I think is quite interesting is how the technological landscape is different in terms of interoperability and also data privacy than it was before. So I'm thinking about when I worked at Mozilla, we were almost encouraged to be like, oh, if you don't like the email setup and the way it is, you can just forward all your emails to your Gmail account. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nobody cared. No one was talking about privacy and all this kind of stuff then. Um, so that's a problem. Um, APIs, you've talked about like IFTTT and Zapier and just moving things between places. That's harder than it used to be because things are kind of kept and locked into kind of different vendors. So it's it's much more difficult to kind of say, well, you're giving me this, but I'm going to turn it into that. I share my calendar with you and my wife and other people. And people can see, some people can see if I'm free or busy. Other people can see the exact event I've got. There's all that kind of stuff. Using the example of my wife again, they use um, all the Microsoft stuff at um, NHS Digital. And I don't know if it's just the, the default way of doing things or what, but she has to screenshot her calendar for a day and send it to me to see, so I can see what she's doing. Like there's literally, and I've tried every single way to help her see how this works, to share her calendar into a different system, hmm. which is actually a barrier to working with people outside of the organization or just getting stuff done in general. So <laughs> yeah, it's a it's interesting when you can't just walk over to someone's desk. Yep. <laughs> Where should we go from here? What else have we uh... Well, let's talk about let's talk about the way in which we work and the assumptions that we make and what happens when someone else works quite differently to you. Um even though you work well together, you work differently apart. Do you have a yeah. specific situation in mind? Funny you should mention that, Laura. Yes. So um, the example I'm thinking of is we were doing earlier this week and at the end of last week, 
we've been doing some digital strategy work for a client. Um, now, the way that I approach that kind of stuff is first principles. Let's think about an ontology here and map it out in a mind map. And then I'll go and see if I've got anything to put into there. And have I got anything which I could plug into this thing which I've just created? Whereas my understanding is from the way that you work is that you think, hang on, that's very similar to what I've done before. And that was awesome. So I'm going to remix that. So you take that thing and then you kind of chisel it and rip it apart and figure how you can shape it into this new thing. And so they are very opposite approaches. They are totally opposite <laughs> approaches. And I was like, I was trying to think of like a metaphor for this. And I think it's a little bit like sculpt sculpture for me. So like, I mm -hmm. think like, I feel like you get a wad of clay and then you mold that piece of clay into a sculpture and I get a piece of stone and I chisel it into that sculpture. Right. And yeah. you are very additive in the way that you work. And I am very reductive mm. in the way that I work. So when I'm remixing things, I'm off, I'm often taking things that look like they don't really match, jamming it up with something else that doesn't match and then whittling away to create the new piece that is whatever it is that I'm, that I'm working on. And, um, it's interesting because they are opposite ways to work, but it's like, I think, I think the, the really interesting thing is, is that we have the ability to, um, understand each other's process enough to be able to say, you have not whittled down enough for me to know what the hell is going on. So I'm going to step back and let you whittle some more. And for me, it's like, I see some kind of skeleton, but I don't see any meat on the bones. I don't really understand where you're going. I'm going to wait until the skeleton has, you know, gotten some skin. Hmm. No, I think you're absolutely right. And it takes, um, you know, we've known each other for over a decade. It takes time to learn how each other works and, and that kind of stuff. And, the more connections you have within an organization and the more people you have to work with, the harder that's going to be. Mm -hmm. And I think what's actually quite useful is kind of, you remember when we did that gamer profile thing recently mm -hmm. where we figured out what kind of gamer we were? Um, we play games, play PlayStation games on a Sunday night and we did it with our other friends as well. Now, I don't like being pigeonholed, but I do like sometimes something which reinforces the view that I have of myself and also provides a way in which I can communicate that to other people. That's quite a useful thing to do. Um, and I remember, again, going back to when I was working at the university, that Belbin team roles kind of thing, which I actually use on my blog somewhere. And it talked about everyone else in the organization was like a completer finisher, somebody who takes pride and gets energy from finishing their work um, and finishing it like, you know, crossing the T's and dotting the I's and doing all that kind of stuff. And I was like full on plant, like huge amounts of energy at the start, like figuring out things from first principles, whatever. And complete a finisher was like over here somewhere. Now I've learned over time to make sure that I actually finish my work, which is a good thing to do. But also it shows, it helps me understand that other people get energy from different parts of the process. Mm -hmm. What I think is interesting for you and me is I think we're quite similar in terms of getting loads of energy at the start. It's just that we approach that in different ways. So there's so many different variables involved that it can be a bit of a minefield collaborating with people. Yeah. Yeah. I remember early in my career, somebody, um, 
was upset with me and called me a quitter. And it took me a really, <laughs> it took me a really long time to understand that I'm not a quitter. I'm more of a multipod, a polymath. I'm interested mm. in things like I'm really interested in things until I understand them. And when I understand them, when I've figured it out, when I when I've really kind of grokked the way that a particular thing is going to go, and I've set it up so that somebody else can see that vision, I'm more than happy to step back because I'm basically bored with whatever it is that I'm doing, which is part of the reason that I, you know, I'm very I'm great at starting projects. I'm great at, you know, looking at a long-term strategic direction and being able to paint a picture. Like I'm great at that. Mm. You know, 10 years in working at the same company, I've never been at any company for 10 years. So like I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't be able to like hang on to something that rigid for any extended period of time. You get energy from like me, you get energy from doing new things, yeah. um, different ways, that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. When I see on LinkedIn, like such and such as celebrating their 10 year anniversary at this organization, mm. I was feeling like I would be dead inside. Everyone's different, but, you know. Although, I mean, you know, to be funny. fair, I have been working with Greenpeace for six years now. Um, yeah, but is, in different ways. Yeah. Like you were. And different yeah, projects, so, different departments, and, you know, yeah. um, Greenpeace is. So it's almost like in name only yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was wondering whether people might be interested in, given that we've been working remotely for so long, and given that we're always trying to make our setup like not perfect, but like be appropriate for what we're doing. I wondered if it might be interesting to go through some of the the kits that we use, like the tech that we use in different situations, mm -hmm. um, like you in your office compared to at home or when you're traveling or whatever, mm -hmm. um, just in case someone is on the lookout for something and we can make a recommendation or just some considerations of the kinds of things to look for when you're doing things remotely. Not because we've got all the answers, but we've just got some experience in this area. So are you talking about tech like hardware? Uh, you have specific software questions? What should we? Let's start with hardware actually. Okay. Um, and then maybe like we've, start, we've touched on software a little bit, but um, yeah, so for example, you're very proud of your microphone. I am. Let's start there. Yeah, so uh, when we started this podcast, um, I decided that I wanted to have a proper microphone. Uh, so because I think, you know, if you listen to a lot of podcasts, you can definitely tell when people are using crappy mics. Um, and so I got myself a focus right. And I will have to go look up what the name of the model is, but it's a very pretty uh, red mixer. Um, and, a pro and a proper voice mic. Um, it was, I'll look it up. And I'll include a, a link to the kit that I bought. It's very basic, um, but the mixer can plug into proper speakers. So when I'm editing the podcast, then I have, you know, really good speakers so that I can actually hear what people hear uh, as they're listening in their headphones. Um, so that's what I use for that. I've got uh, a pair of Sony Bluetooth headphones that I use on a regular basis when I'm in my office. They actually stay in my office. Uh, and the reason that I got some Bluetooth headphones was because when I'm working, I listen to I listen to all kinds of different music as long as it doesn't have lyrics when I'm working. Um, and I like the headphones because I can step away, get a coffee, and I can continue to A, listen to music, or B, if I'm in a, a meeting, I can get up and walk around and still hear and talk to people. Um, so those are my two main like office hardware things. 
And then, of course, my laptop, I have a 2016 MacBook Pro with touch bar, and it is starting to crap out because Apple is really good about planned obsolescence. Cool. Um, well, I've got a blue snowball microphone, which I bought one for me and one for Di when we did the previous podcast, uh, Today in Digital Education. Um, I've got, what are, what are these headphones I'm wearing? Um, these are Anchor Soundcore sound headphones. They were about 40 quid off Amazon. And they're noise cancelling, but ridiculously noise cancelling, better than my Sennheiser noise cancelling to the extent I can't, literally can't hear, hardly hear. I have to speak loudly to hear my voice mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, I have a Dell 4K monitor, 28-inch 4K monitor. Uh, I've got a Sony soundbar underneath my monitor with a big subwoofer so that when I play music, it is loud in my office. I've got a Lumi sad kind of light, satellite that my parents bought me um, for the winter months to make me happier. I've got a vertical mouse, which I use most of the time. Again, an anchor one. It's only about £11, so I don't get RSI. I have also got... Apple do like a magic trackpad, and I've got version one of this magic trackpad, which I usually use when I'm on podcasts and meetings and stuff. So don't you don't hear click, 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 mm-hmm. but it's run out of batteries. I need to replace them. Um, I've got a sit-stand desk. And oh, the thing I bought, I got I got for my 40th birthday um, is, a, is a secret lab chair, like it's a gaming chair. And this is my main 40th birthday present, and it is so comfortable, and I forget about it. But when I'm sitting on it, oh, it's just the best. Yeah. Um, I also have a standing desk uh, in in my office, and it is nice. awesome. Uh, really, really. Which one did you get? Do you know? If we would have planned this episode, I would have looked all this stuff <laughs> up. Uh, I can't remember uh, some German company, but it's great. And actually, everybody in the office has one. Um, so there's uh, there's three of okay. us in this office, and so then you know we say, as I said in the last episode. The only thing we ever say to each other because we don't work together is, do you want a coffee? Um, but throughout the day, you hear when we raise and lower the desks because we're all up and down. With our- so I've got the IKEA Beckant one. And I actually was one of the first people in the UK to get this desk just randomly because I was waiting for it to come out. And I put people asking me about it on Twitter and stuff. And I put a, a, a video just to see how high it went on YouTube. And that's had a lot of views. I have to go back and check, but it's had a lot of views to the extent that I was seen as like a desk influencer and started getting sent, like, do you want to test this desk out? And I was like, no, I've got nowhere to put it, um, which was ridiculous for a 20-second video, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Hannah, my wife, comes in here sometimes uh, to stand at the desk because she she quite likes that and she'll have to get her one yeah. at some point. Other random things that I've got that people might want to pay attention to I've got a Netgear Orbi mesh network, which is amazing, and you should go and research, um, etc. I've also got this little uh, Orki um, diffuser that you can put essential oils in. So because my exercise bike is in my office as well, if it gets a bit, uh, I can open the window and put my lemongrass diffuser on. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I built my own PC. Before the, just before the pandemic um, to make sure that it was all Linux compatible and that it had all the functionality that I wanted. 
And I think, I think that's it. Oh, no, it's not. I've got some Philips Hue lights so I can have different color lights behind my screen and behind me um, when I'm presenting. And I've got a Logitech 920 1080p webcam. There we go. Wow. That's that's a lot of stuff. I did not tell you all the other stuff I had. I just focused well, on, on, the, Come on Well, you know, I mean, like I have an external keyboard. I also have a Dell monitor, but mine's super old and definitely not a 4K. Um, I, uh, I try not to buy too much stuff or over the year, like every time I, 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 I use things until they break. So my Dell mm. monitor, for example, I've had for probably nine, 10 years, not great resolution, but it's still on and it's enough. Uh, I'm not doing, you know, I'm not doing any kind of like really hardcore pixel, very small pixel design or anything. I, you know, I am a designer, but I don't really design stuff. So yeah, I'm not. Just wait until you're 40 plus, right? And your eyes aren't as good. And you, you need your, your monitor to be like super, super sharp. Just you. Okay. (laughs) I will look forward to that when I am 40 in 15 years. (laughs) <laughs> sorry uh yeah i mean i have a pixel 4a uh for a phone which i use a lot in tandem with work because as i've said i talk to my phone and tell it to put things onto my to-do lists uh mm-hmm. i have a bag of chips I on my a... desk look at this permanent marker that i have really fat we're not going to that love detail <laughs> just in case people are wondering about my phone i have a one plus seven pro 5g and hilariously i've never used i've never been in a place where i've had 5g oh you should go to the united states because the um isn't that where the 5g is causing the back the anti-vax what's the conspiracy about 5g i forget anyway um i don't know shall we i don't know what we should geek out on next we were going to geek out on all of our remote work processes well i think it's interesting i actually talking about like youtube videos and things one of the things uh, so the other thing i've got when i'm in the house i use a pixel book so that's like a high-end chromebook um i've also got my dell x220 which i love because of the keyboard and it's running linux and stuff as well but usually i pick up the pixel book for two reasons firstly it's instant on it's browser-based all that kind of stuff but secondly, you can fold it back and it's touchscreen. You can use it like a tablet, um, which is quite good for like reading documents or, or whatever like that. Um, where was I going to go with that? Oh, so in terms of setup, in terms of how you use your device, um, this isn't something which is very suited to to audio. It's much better like showing people what you do. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm interested kind of just at a meta level. Do you use, for example virtual desktops on your Mac or do you keep everything on one? No, I do have virtual desktops. I prefer to always have two monitors and then I'm always working on the big monitor and on my laptop screen, I have my email. Um, I use, so really when I'm working, I don't use the laptop screen at all. I just use the big monitor, but I have my email there and every, like a lot of times I'll be drafting something and working on something at the same time. Um, So you use Apple mail, don't you? Right? No, actually, I recently, uh, I used to use Apple Meal, uh, Meal, 
<laughs> all the time. Um, actually, Chrome I use on my laptop So and Zoom. So video conferences I have on my laptop screen and then everything else, and, and email, and then everything else is, mm. is on my big screen. Um, but yeah, I used to use Apple Mail. Uh, I recently switched. Um, I bought for like five bucks a program called Made for Gmail because all of my email accounts are actually Google Mail accounts, including, you know, like all of them. Uh, and I was really just, I've been, I hate Apple Mail. I just used it because like I could never really get used to Gmail in the browser. Like I need my email application to be separate from my browser. So I, I okay. need to be able to tab between programs. And if email is in my browser, then I wasn't able to tab like um, command tab oh, interesting. programs. Interesting. And that just so, really irritated me, which was the only reason that I w used Apple Mail. So for me, and again, experimenting all the time, whatever, I use Brave as my main browser. Mm -hmm. And because I've got a reasonably large 4K monitor, I don't have two screens, I just have one. But because I've got enough space, I can just, I, I've got like Brave to the left-hand side of that screen. Then I've got Signal and Telegram open all the time mm -hmm. so I can message people. But like now we're using Zencaster to record. I can just take that tab and then move it over the top of Telegram and Signal so that that's covered while I'm doing this. And I'm getting notifications on my watch while I'm working, but I'm not, I can't see what, for example, my wife is telling me on Telegram until that gets moved. Yeah. The next level down. So on Pop OS, the workspaces go vertically, which is unusual compared to like Mac where it goes horizontally, I think. Mm -hmm. The next one down, I just have full screen Slack. So I, I kind of control, was a control um, special key down to do that. So I've got Slack full screen. I can go between the different workspaces I'm in. And then, this is the interesting thing based on what you just said, underneath that, I have Chrome. Mm -hmm. And I only use Chrome for Gmail. And I've got two tabs open. I've got We Are Open and Dynamic Skillset, which is my company. And so my email is two away from my main screen, my two workspace away from That's my main really screen. Interesting. And I don't have it on notifications. Yeah. So I have to like I have to choose to go to my emails. It's not just there. Yeah. Yeah. See, I um I don't look at my email very often. I do it in batches. So like I'll look at my email in the morning for 10, 15 minutes. Um, and then maybe I'll look in my email like right after lunch, but I am in no way distracted by my email because I, or by Slack for that matter. Um, I'm very good at ignoring things that do not currently sit within whatever it is I'm doing. Um, but I have, you know, like I said, I have uh, the email open on my laptop screen, but then I have other desk virtual desktops as well. So like Evernote is its own desktop. Uh, I use a writing program called Scrivener, which I love. It's its own, you know, virtual de desktop. Um, and then I just, do I have anything else? It's um, my TweetDeck. I use TweetDeck, and that's also a virtual desktop, as is Spotify. Um, so I have okay. five virtual desktops, and I just use Command-Tab to, to cycle through different applications uh, as I'm working. Oh, okay. Yeah. But mostly, mostly cool. I'm in Firefox. Um and I have tab One groups, other... which I wrote about recently on on my blog. You did. Yeah, we should put that link in there. Yeah. One thing that I haven't mentioned, um, which might surprise people who know that I like my privacy and stuff, is that I have a, a Google Smart Display 
hub thing. Yeah, that thing talks office. to you sometimes, like randomly. And it's always really funny when you talk to it because, like, there have been times when Doug and I are trying to work out maths. And Doug will be like, hey, Google, what's something, something? And then the Google will always say the wrong thing, which I find hilarious. Hey, Google, what's two plus two? The answer is four. Right, so I got that Uh, right, which is good. All right. (laughs) Um, But I use that because it's connected to my Bluetooth soundbar for music, um, but also to control the lights Mm -hmm. because I can touch it on the screen and send it over. But a lot of the time, sending messages to the house, sending messages back from the house, like broadcasting messages, like if my son's on the PlayStation or whatever. Just to mess so with people? I've well. seen you messing with your family by turning lights on and off. I do. I do that do with that my, uh, I do that with my iRobot vacuum when I'm away. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, just to scare either, you know, anybody in the family who uh, happens to be hmm. home when I'm away, I can re- I can use the vacuum, the iRobot vacuum from far away. So uh-huh. on my phone, you know, it's got an app. So I'll turn it on just to freak people out, which is always. Put disturbing. it on attack mode. It's kind of, well, it's kind of like a, hey, love you. I'm not there, but here's the vacuum scaring the shit out of you. <laughs> it works really well. Um, we should probably we should wrap, wrap this up. up. Yeah. Is there anything that you're thinking like, oh, I'm considering starting to use that app or I'm going to buy that thing or there's a bit of hardware that you've got, you know, your eye on that kind Um, of thing? Actually, no. So it's not hardware or an app per se, but I have decided that I need some, I need some virtual desktop of some sort because I have recently, I've made a number of notes to myself um, that are like, Hey, you know, remember this thing. And then I completely forget about the note and then randomly stumble upon that note uh, with a quote or something. Mm. Um, and I've been thinking that maybe I maybe it's time for me to swap out some desktops or landing pages or like new tab page or something so that I'm reminded of some of those. They're not really inspirational. They're more like, hey, Laura, you know, just remember to check yourself before you wreck yourself kind of notes. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Exactly. Um, one thing that I use, what's your new tab? Do you just have like the default new tab when you in your browser? Uh, it is a default DuckDuckGo search uh, screen. Uh, okay, so I don't have the search engine as the main page on a new tab because I can just go to the address bar and do that. Yep. But I use Momentum, so momentum-.com or something. So the reason I love this is it tells me the time. Mm-hmm. It says, like, now it says, good afternoon, Doug. It has this beautiful picture, which changes every day. It has a quotation, which is inspiration at the bottom. And if you pay for it, which I did for a year and then stopped, you can, it tells you the temperature where you are, that kind of thing. You can have a little to-do list at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And also it'll integrate with like Trello or this or that. Cool. Um, so I actually find that pretty cool. I don't know if it's got a Firefox thing, but it's definitely all Chrome compatible browsers, which is nice. All right. Last night, I had a bit of a fail. So I've got this lovely Dell 4K monitor. Um, and I read in a random, there's this wonderful website called Hot UK Deals, which I go on relatively often. And it's got like, you know, good deals on different things. And it's a user submitted kind of forum thing. It's useful, not only for the fact that you get great deals, but the people in the comments underneath are so knowledgeable. And in the, I was just looking at this random monitor saying, oh, that, that's interesting. In the comments, someone was like, oh, 
I always get this particular brand of like gas powered arm for my monitors so that I can move them around my desk and whatever. And I was like, what? A gas powered arm? Yeah, like a hydraulic kind of arm thing. Okay. So I, and it was like 25 pounds and I like insta purchased it on Amazon. So it arrived yesterday and I went to put it onto like the visa mount, you know, what you use to attach your monitor to a wall. Guess what? My monitor is one of the only ones in the world that doesn't have a visa mount. So I want to get something like that where I can move my, not only just move it up and down like I could on my previous monitor, but like move it closer towards me, you know, have it tilted, all that kind of stuff. That's what I'm looking at potentially getting next, but I wouldn't be able to do it on this monitor. Yeah. Hmm. Well, then you should wait until it's time for a new monitor. Well, that's the other thing. I don't I don't use things until they break. Yeah. I use them until they're almost not worth very much on eBay and then I sell them. Huh, okay. I should, yeah. yeah, I hate I hate selling stuff on eBay because I'm... It's much worse than it used to be. Yeah. We, um, we I... sold, you know, like a Nintendo... Go ahead. It's much worse. So yeah. people sell things on Facebook Marketplace now, which I can't do because I don't use Facebook, but my wife does. And you know, like a Nintendo Wii, mm-hmm. like it's not worth that much money anymore, but like we've got the Wii and the Mario Kart stuff and the controls and everything like that. She put it on... Facebook Marketplace for like 20 quid for all this stuff. It was an amazing deal. And someone brought it back because they couldn't get it to work properly. Did they plug it in? It was working. And it was so annoying. Like so much hassle. You get people on eBay like trying to get money off by saying it's not working properly. Can you give me a partial refund after they've received it? And it's just so different from how things used to be. Yeah, you basically have to do tech support for random people on eBay when you sell your tech, which is is, doing tech support for your family is bad enough. Exactly. Um, Mom, if you're listening, I am perfectly happy to continue being your tech support person. I switched, I forced switched my parents over to Linux um, in 2007, I want to say, eight. Because I was like, I am not supporting Microsoft Windows anymore on the phone. If you don't switch to Linux, I am not, you know, I'm not supporting you and you'll have to go and get help elsewhere. So they did, had five years of happily using Ubuntu, then they switched to a Mac, and now they've got a Pixelbook like me and love that. Cool. Hmm. We should probably wrap this up. Yeah, we should definitely wrap it up. We're at 50 minutes. Um... So that was an interesting ramble chat. Again, if you're listening to Doug and I talk to each other about all this stuff that we find interesting, we would love to hear from you. So do let us know what you think. Feel free to toss some topics our way. As you can tell, we have no shortage of opinions. Um, Good. Cheers for now. 